Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one. We're live. On blogtalkradio.com and right here on Facebook Live, live video. So we're simulcasting, and as always, joining me here at the studio helm is my brother in the martial arts and esteemed co-host, Kifu Robert Deal. Bob, how you doing today, man? Good, you know, but when the music started and you started talking, your voice seemed really muffled. Hopefully it was just the music coming over your voice. Yeah, At least on the audio portion, maybe not on the video, but on the audio. Yeah, I think uh, I think probably, well, no, actually, it's probably going to sound exactly like you've heard it, because um, I'm feeding through, I'm feeding everything through uh, one channel right now, through the mixer, so, and I'm trying to check, I'm trying to check the sound on it. I need someone, hey, we got Deb Evans watching, <clears throat> I need someone to just kind of type in the comments below. So let me know how we're sounding. So let me know. Would, if I should... And would you believe we already have a caller? Of course, we're not going to be opening the phone lines until six thirty. And if you need to, and if you want to talk to us, press one. Yes, yes, we're not going to technically open the phone lines until six thirty. And just like Bob said, if you want to talk to um, Grandmaster Richard Bustillo and me and Bob, just press one. That'll put you in our caller queue. And that'll let us know that you want to go live. Otherwise, we're just going to see you on hold. And you know what? We only see a number. We, there's no names. This isn't caller ID. So, and my mind doesn't remember area codes very well, except for just two. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So, <clears throat> so make sure you press one. And if I ask who you are, you know, please, you know, just introduce yourself and have fun joining the conversation. All right. Well, with that said, let's move on with the show. Who do we oh, have for birthday? I, you know what? I, I, I do have to bring this up, though, Sifu. I do. Okay. If there okay. is any, any inappropriate content, they will be cut off faster than they came on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reminding our listeners of that. Um, this is not an open forum tonight. This is actually an interview show with Grandmaster Richard Bustillo. Anyone, I don't care who you are, if there's any inappropriate content, inappropriate questions and stuff like that, I will press the God button faster than you can say, holy crap, what happened? <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
I, I, I don't want to fall subject to that one show we had a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, that one show. Or was it last month? I think it was last month. We had this show last month, folks, where some dude or dudes or what have you, they kept calling and it's it, the, the the calls would start off okay, and then it would turn into stupid questions like how many condoms can you or whatever, right? I mean, it was just dumb. And when it first happened, I let it I, I let it go because it was a it was a very gradual movement into inappropriateness, and then it got inappropriate. And then I was like, well, what do we do? Bob and I were both, what's going on? <laughs> Right? Yeah, because it hadn't happened. It, it never happened to us in over four years. Yeah, and yeah, we were we were tripping out, and so we click. He's out, and then it happened again and again and again, like every ten minutes for what the first hour of the show. I was so pissed. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, so was I. I was so pissed. I'm screaming at and the then- life. Oh, and then there was that one dude that acted like a woman that acted like a concerned mother. No, yeah, it was the same. It was the same jerk, I think. Yeah, yeah but that was using Google Voice or something. Yeah, you could tell he was a dude trying to sound like a woman, and I'm like, wow, this is about as fake as you know. <laughs> this is pretty fake. <laughs> exactly right. Okay, so yeah. birthdays. Birthdays. On what's the date today? Twenty fifth, sixth, or twenty sixth? Yeah. Twenty sixth. Okay. So tomorrow we have Sensei Jim Bolton on two twenty seven. On three one we have our good friend uh, Craig Carter, and on three three we have our dear friend Rocky R. Twitchell from California. Woohoo! All right. Who do I have on my end here? Uh, let's see. Today is today, as a matter of fact, is the birthday of one of my former students who retired in Thailand, Randall Collins. Happy birthday there, brother. Um, who else do we got here? <clears throat> Irvin Robinson has his birthday today, as well as Tra- Travis Valle. And uh, tomorrow we've got, who do we got here? Nobody that I know. <laughs> and nobody that I know on the 28th. And on the 1st, another former student of mine, Tom Withers, his birthday's on the 1st. And you already said Craig Carter, correct? Uh-huh. And, right. Uh, one of my coworkers, Julian Geyer, the counselor at uh, Morningside Academy, his birthday's on Thursday the 2nd. And a good friend of mine, T. Locke, her birthday's on the 3rd. And on Saturday, we don't have any. Oh, wait, no. The mother of a previous student of mine, Claudia Burns Stewart, is having a birthday on Saturday. So for everyone having a birthday the week of February 26th through March 4th, this tune is for you. Hola. It's your birthday, we're here to party and sing to you. He's from me. Hope you are bueno, the fun will the whole day through. From the Gulf to the mountains, the city lights and fountains, we hope your birthday's excellent. You are another year older, so perhaps you 
should be generally awesome. Because today is your day. Hola. You deserve a grand fiesta and later on fiesta and the best of everything. Sí, señor. Make it a great birthday week. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> announcements. What do we have for announcements on your end there, Kiki Bob? I have nothing this week. Neither do I. Let me take a let me take a look here. Well, we've got one thing that showed up on my on my tier here, and that's next. Friday, March 3rd. This is the Texas State Modern Arnis Camp, WMAA. And it goes from March 3rd through March 5th. And this is going to be held, this is going to be held at Trainers Elite Mixed Martial Arts, which is located at 2659 East Beltline Road in Carrollton, Texas, 75006. And a guru, Tim Hartman, invited me. Of course, I can't make it, but thank you, Guru Tim, for inviting me. Let's um, get some information about this real quick. This is going to be the first Texas State WMA training camp. Modern Arnis is the most recognized of the Filipino martial arts in the world. This art is the brainchild of Grandmaster Remy Presas. Filipino martial arts were on the edge of extinction. Let's say that again. We're at the edge of extinction. Too many E words altogether. Um, when Professor Presas adapted modern training methods with new training concepts to the very brutal arts of his homeland. Now, since the passing of Grandmaster Presas, his students have been left with the task of continuing the art. This training camp features Datu Tim Hartman Grandmaster, and Grandmaster Presas leading black belts. Kaishifu <laughs> Oliveri, he likes, he likes the thing about the E word. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, this training camp will help you learn the foundation of the art. Those who are already part of the system will be able to work on the finer details. Um, these are a few things that you will need that you will learn at the camp. Filipino boxing, Sinawali, edged weapons, defensive tactics, tapi-tapi, and disarming. And there is online registration at a mindbodyonline.com site. Um, it's too long of a link, so what I will do is I will post a link to this event, if you're in the Texas area, uh, straight away to our Facebook page in a few minutes. So there you go. And that's it on my end. <clears throat> so um, I, don't, I don't have any health news yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> so if we want to go on to... Weird news. Let's do it. I got to find we, my way. We can do that. Let's do that. Here we go. Weird news. Now, I'm going to read this from the, from the actual website because when I sent it to you to create the notes, it didn't format right when I did a cut and paste. So I'm going to oh, okay. read this right from the Huffington Post. Okay. Now, <laughs> I've seen this before. I saw this 25 years ago. There may be, this is about a Master May Yalbin. There may be better martial artists than Master Wei Yalbin, but few are ballsier. Hmm. Where a fighter takes it on the chin, 
he takes hits in the crotch repeatedly. <laughs> and it's got a video that's a looping video that where he keeps getting kicked in the nuts. <laughs> I think I've seen it or a variation of it. <laughs> Masterway is considered one of the most one of the world's best practitioners of iron crotch kung fu. It's a relatively obscure form of martial arts in which combatants learn to build strength and endurance by subjecting themselves to strong blows to the groin in er, in the groin area, according to the to Asian one Asia one dot com. I have learned this kung fu skill since I turned sixty seven years old. He says in the video above, I think it's good for my health. What? <laughs> I have, wow. I have never thought getting kicked in the balls was good for anybody's health. Yeah. But well. in 67, you don't use it anymore anyway. <laughs> so you might as well use it for something. Sifu Oliveri says, I'll just stick with my Kung Fu. Thank you. <laughs> and there's, there's a video that they refer to where he is whacking himself with a brick. What? He's doing repeatedly. what? He's whacking himself in the groin with a brick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it says Master Wei has been practicing his... <laughs> I love the way they word this. Has been practicing his ball bashing form of martial arts for 10 years in the city of Lu Yang. I insist on doing it every day, he says in the video. I believe it builds up resistance, and I have gotten less fever and colds than before. Not when, no kidding. When you have to put an ice pack on your groin? Oh. You know, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Wait until wait, wait until you hear this. So this is actually kind of funny. Oh no! Uh, getting getting smacked in. Well, let's see. Yeah, I already said that. Getting smacked in the crotch usually makes guys testy. <laughs> my my buddy Rick Rick Bear, how you doing, brother? He says he needs a girlfriend. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And guess Wait, look, what? I bet he finds one that's a real ball buster. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, I like long walks on the beach and getting hit in the nuts with a brick. <laughs> All right. All right. It says, get, get it. It says, getting. <laughs> All right. All right. I can, I can get through this. Okay, okay, okay. Getting smacked in the crotch usually makes guys testy, but the master claims it helps men overcome issues like erectile. <laughs> no, he did not say that. Like? It overcomes issues like erectile dysfunction, d- dysfunction and <laughs> premature ejaculation. Well, if, you're, if your crotch is so swollen that nothing... Nothing can and it's out. numb. It's numb, I know, right? <laughs> all right, we got we got Ken Carr watching. Also, how you doing, Ken? So we got we got about ten people. 
that are watching right now. And, of course, they have to come in when we're talking about Iron Ball Kung Fu or something like that. Right. All right. So I've only got a couple more paragraphs. Hopefully I can get through this. However, however, there is no scientific evidence to back up that theory. (laughs) God, I wish (laughs) you'd stop making these puns. This is getting – this is killing me here. All right. It starts in (laughs) – as nutty as it sounds, the master claims iron. <laughs> I, I know. I, I said, I don't know, man. This guy needs to go on TV. I swear to God. So, as nutty as it sounds, the master claims iron clocks kung fu is the next big thing. More and more masters are opening <laughs> studios to teach it and attracting an increasingly number of people to learn it, he says in the video. <laughs> Here's one of his students practicing having his private smashed with a battering ram. Oh, Lordy, I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> so so my, my friend Janie says eHarmony sure has their work cut out for them. And Ken Carr says, says, I'm great, because I said, how are you? You look awesome. Balls are fun to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ken. <laughs> and we've got kids. Iron shirt is good, good though. Yes, it is good. Um, and um, Janie says, the men in my dojang should have iron balls after I do my nut changes on them. Your nut, what, what nut chuggies? What's that? <laughs> you know, I have so- noticed one thing. Now, the what? master did this and the guy getting hit with a battering ram. They come just before they get hit, they lift a little bit. They come up off their stance. Yeah. Like on their but- tippy toes almost. Yeah, and that's fine. But then they come back down and take the full force. Full yeah. I think, I think that's what they do is that they, they, they lift up a little bit so that way they can meet the strike. So they can meet... The nut strike. <laughs> Hello, foot. How are you? Yeah, Meatballs. Meatballs. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. Let's, <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to entertainment. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... This is this was an old old country artist. He's not that old. He's still around, but he's retired like three times. Uh, he was at one time he was the m- m- highest paid entertainer of the year. It was like he was worth one year he made like two hundred million dollars. Is ridiculous. Oh, Garth crap. Brooks. Garth, Garth Brooks is is nothing if not ridiculously gener- generous. He surprised a husband and wife who became the five million fan to take his world tour with not one but two cars. Hmm. Sources of the arena tell us the couple scored a Lexus SUV and a Nissan truck before Friday's Edmonton, Alberta concert. They also got a $5,000 Amazon shopping spree and a $5,000 Edmonton mall spree. A trip for two to the win in Las Vegas and a brunch and a and bunch of Garth and Trisha Yearwood merchandise. 
By the way, Garth broke his own concert attendance record back in the 90s. His tour hit 5 million tickets sold in 100 cities. This time around, it was 5 million in just 60 cities. It's like winning the lottery in low places. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty cool. It's 5 million, and he gave him two cars. And Wow. 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 That's pretty, that's pretty cool. All righty. Do I have, oh, here we go. I, I do have health news. <clears throat> so let me go ahead and pull it up here real quick. So the source of this news story is from Walters Kluwer Health. And the question is, can staying active help to prevent chronic pain? Physical activity affects pain modulation in older adults. So now the summary in this of this study is older adults with higher levels of physical activity have pain modulation patterns that might help lower their risk of developing chronic pain. Now, uh, let me see here. Older adults with higher levels of physical activity have pain modulation patterns that might help lower their risk of developing chronic pain, reports a study in pain. That's the name of the, <laughs> of the publication. It's a... Uh, <clears throat> It's the uh, official publication of the International Association of the Study of Pain. <laughs> the journal is published by Walters Kluwer. All right. Now, in tests of pain processing by the central nervous system, physically active older adults have lower, lower pain perception and are better able to block responses to painful stimuli, according to the new research by Kelly M. Noggle, Ph.D., and colleagues of Indiana University, Purdue University in um, Indianapolis. <clears throat> Quote, unquote, this study provides the first objective evidence suggesting that physical activity behavior is related to the functioning of the endogenous pain modul modulatory systems in older adults, the researchers write. Dr. Nagel and colleagues performed a series of experiments in 51 healthy adults aged 60 to 77, all wore an activity monitor device for one week to measure their level of physical activity. Then they underwent two tests of pain modulation, functions affecting the way pain is interpreted and perceived by the central nervous system. One test called temporal summation measured the production of pain responses to repeated pain stimuli. The other test called conditioned pain modulation assessed the reduction of pain responses to competing pain stimuli. <clears throat> In both tests, pain modulation was significantly, significantly related to daily physic, physical activity level. Older adults with more frequent moderate, frequent, moderate to vigorous physical activity had lower pain scores on the temporal summation test, indicating less pain facilitation. Those who did more light physical activity or had less sedentary time per day had lower pain scores on the condition to pain modulation test, indicating better pain inhibition. <clears throat> In other words, older adults who did more moderate to vigorous physical activity per perceived less facilitation of pain, while those who did at least some physical activity were better able to block pain perception. These differences may be relevant to the central sensitization process believed to be responsible for the transition from acute to chronic pain. Previous studies have shown that pain modulation processes are dysregulated in patients with chronic pain syndromes. For example, arthritis, back pain, and fibromyalgia. 
People with higher pain facilitation and lower pain inhibition are more likely to develop problems with chronic pain. <clears throat> the results are consistent with studies in younger adults suggesting that higher levels of physical activity are related to more efficient conditioned pain modulation. Older adults are more likely to be physically inactive, which might make them more vulnerable to chronic pain. Quote, unquote, our data suggests that low levels of sedentary behavior and greater light physical activity may be critical in maintaining effective endogenous pain in inhibitory function in older adults, Dr. Nagel and co-authors wrote. Further studies will be needed to test the implications for physical activity programs to reduce and prevent pain in older adults. For example, it might be possible to match the patient's specific dysfunctional pain modulation pattern to the type of physical activity that can best improve their pain response pattern. So there you go, straight out of science daily. So keep exercising, folks, even if it's just a little, even if it's just walking, it could help you in the long run. All right. <clears throat> okay. Well, I think that's it for all of our weird news and and entertainment news and health news. Um, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to give a call to Grandmaster Richard Bustillo, who will be joining us for the rest of the show. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children, and we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. this little Burbank building. This is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial arts. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. 
Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamic dojo radio host at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Right, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. Let me give you that number again. 347-677-0699. And we are going to be talking with Grandmaster Richard Bustillo. Um, let's uh, see if we can give him a call here. Let me pull up my phone line here. Uh, all right. I almost called you again, Bob. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked. <clears throat> oh, hey, you know, it would help. But I call waiting. Yeah, it would help if I bring up your mic. There we go. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting there talking to you. You know, <laughs> yeah, if you call me again, I'll say call waiting, and then I'll, then I'll have to give you a hard time. About about calling me all over again. <laughs> all right, <clears throat> let's erase that number and let's call Guto. Let's see. Okay, now just to check, you can hear me okay, right, Bob? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. And listeners out there, you can hear me okay. Just nod. <laughs> I can't even see you guys anyway. That's pretty funny. All right. Here we go. We're calling. <laughs> Ooh, that's loud. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha, Grandmaster Bustillo. This is Rashida and Bob of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. How are you? I am fine. How come you're not watching the Oscars? We would much rather be talking to you, sir. Oh, likewise. That's why I turn it off. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've never, I, I haven't watched the Oscars in years. I don't even know what movies or I don't know who anybody is anymore at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. You know who don't Bruce worry, Rusty, Rusty. They don't know who you are either. Yeah. But you know who Bruce. But you know who Bruce Lee is. That's right. That's important. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Of course. Today, today, at present time, you know, people are negative about the Oscars because of the political situation we're in, and a lot of my right. friends don't like to watch it because of uh, the situation. Right. Right. That's kind of. Uh, that's. But I've heard a few friends saying, you know, they were they were thinking of boycotting the Oscars yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like, you know, 
then just don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. make it political. It's all good. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Well, we're really happy that you could. We're really happy that you could join us today, and uh, thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. So, what we'd oh, like to. No what we'd like to start with, if uh, possible, is if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your, your martial arts background. I think it would be great for our listeners to hear about that. Sure. My, my martial arts background came from the, my environment where I used to live. I was born and raised in Hawaii. At eight years old, um, at fourth grade, I studied uh, um, judo for about two summers. Then my family moved to Kalihi Valley. Uh, and there was a boxing center uh, near a bus stop where I used to get up, and I trained boxing from about 10 to 13 years old. Then my family moved again and bought a home in Waipahu, um, and there was a Kaja Kimball school, a Kempo Karate school that my cousins were uh, practicing, and I, used, I trained with them. I started from 14 till about 18 when I graduated from high school. After high school, I went to college. Uh, there were no bo- good martial arts schools that I liked, so I started boxing from about 19 to 22, 23. And 24, I met Bruce Lee, trained with Bruce Lee, and my whole martial arts um, concepts, philosophies, and, and traditional training changed. Wow. So that was my martial arts background. Wow. Now, I'm pretty sure... Wow. I'm pretty sure all of our listeners out there are wondering this question, right, listeners? What was it like to train directly under Bruce Lee? Oh, I'm outstanding. I was in the right place at the right time. Uh-huh. Now, yet, um, I'm trying to get the uh, location straight. So um, you were in California at that time, correct? Or... I was in Los Angeles, uh, Corinth, California. And oh, okay. um, in 1964, there was a martial arts uh, international tournament, karate tournament, hosted by Ed Parker. And he's from the island, so me and my Hawaiian friends went to the international martial arts uh uh, championship uh, in Long Beach, and then I, I, that's when I first met Bruce Lee there in 1964. Wow, how cool is how cool is that? Because I know that a lot of our listeners, you know, are young and have have read or seen footage sure. of the Long Beach Internationals sure. and stuff, and and they're just dreaming. Oh man, how how cool could it have been to have been there when you know when Bruce was demonstrating and. And and and, then, and doing all that other cool stuff. And well, here you go, folks. We've got the man right here. If you have questions for Grandmaster Bustillo, please give us a call three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. And when you call, please press one, so that way we know you want to join us live on the air. All right. And I'm gonna hand the mic no, over. I- Oh, go ahead. Tom. Okay, well, I do, I do have a question, and I'm I'm gonna screw this up, Cecil, and please apo- please accept my apologies. And I'm le- leaving you with this: How did you meet uh, Grandmaster Parker? Oh, I knew him when he was in the island uh, in Hawaii, you know. And then when he moved to when he went to from Idaho, not Idaho, what's that place? Um, Oh, I forget the name he explained. He was going to the University of uh, 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 Jesus. But anyway, he re- relocated to Pasadena. So me and my Hawaiian friends used to go up there and then say hello and stuff like that. That's how I knew him. Oh, nice. Now, 
Wasn't there a story about you being in the military and you you knew somebody that was a martial arts instructor over here? I'm trying to remember from your from your honor day, and I really can't. Uh, I'm sorry, Ed from. There was somebody that you knew that you discovered over here that you you were friends with in the military, and I thought that was Mr. Parker. Am I no, wrong? No, I, I, yeah, I, I was never in the military. I wish I did. Oh, now, okay, the, but I never the, the, in the military. Oh, okay. Then, then I I I I did not remember correctly. Uh, but I was curious. Out of the art that you studied, the Jeet Kune Do, the Kendra Kempo. Uh, oh, those parts. Yeah. What brought you to those sure. arts? What 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 brought those in? Sure. When I trained with Bruce Lee, I learned the concepts of his Jeet Kune Do. And Jeet Kune Do, it's an individual's personal uh, martial arts, his own personal expression of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And to get that personal expression, you have to be well rounded in all the martial arts ranges. I I was fortunate to have a training partner and instructor named Daniel Santo. And he didn't want to introduce me to the Filipino arts. I never liked the arts, the Filipino arts, because it was a weapon. But he says the weapon can be translated to empty hand. The empty hand can be what they call a pamatukan, which is the striking part with the hand. And then he can go into the domog, which is the grappling or fighting arts of uh, Eskrima. And, and so he and I researched the art. Then there was another, uh, there was a student that came from Thailand to train with us. He, and he was a former champion in Thailand, but he wanted to learn Bruce Lee's Jikundo. So, so he taught me um, um, Muay Thai. I never did the knees and elbows and kicks and punches like the Thai people did. So I trained with him and he trained with me. And then there was uh, the grappling arts. Um, uh, uh, it was shooter wrestling, uh, jiu-jitsu, uh, catches catching wrestling. And I, I went into that art. So all three arts, the striking, the, uh, the grappling, and the long-range uh, weaponry, I studied. And, and then the, the screamo part, I was very fortunate to, to learn under the, the late uh, um, Supreme Grandmaster Clockboy Kanyete. And I trained with him all the way to the time he, uh, of his death in, uh, at age 96. Um, um, so that's how I had progressed. And, and when Bruce Lee died in 1973, uh, Mr. Inosano uh, was very, very close with, with Bruce, and he was in deep mourning. He was grieving for a long time, and he didn't want to teach no more. He told me, um, you take the classes, he can't teach because of, his, uh, um, because of de- Bruce's death. And, and I said, you're, gonna, you're not going to teach? I am not going to teach. We send these guys home. And about a month later, he came back. He says, let's do this. Let's open up a school, a commercial school, so that we can do two things. We can um, um, share our Bruce Lee experience with those people who are coming in to train with us, and we can uh, promote and and perpetuate our Filipino martial arts that we had researched. So that's how we took off in our martial arts training. At that time, we, we had our first school in 1974 called the Filipino Kali Academy. And we had so many people coming in. We had a, like a six-month waiting list. We were like uh, the BJJ uh, um, program that it is popular today. We were, that, we were at that time uh, like that then. But that's wow. how our martial arts grew. Wow. You still there? Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 we're just in awe. We're, we're, absorbing. we're absorbing all of that. 
So, and our listeners are too, because normally uh, for doing Facebook Live, everybody's typing away and everyone is like hanging on your every word here, sir. So if anyone has questions for Grandmaster Bustillo, please write them in the comments below or give us a call. It's best to talk live. Talk live with the Grandmaster Bustillo. Our phone number is 347-677-0699. All right. Now, Grandmaster, you 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 were in the law enforcement for a long I time, and uh, oh, I, 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 okay. could you tell our listeners a little bit about your career in law enforcement? Yeah, yeah. I, I started off um, because my buddy was um, I used to scuba dive. I loved diving for lobsters and abalone, and this is when I was in my early twenties. Uh, uh, and my buddy was in a search and rescue for Alec County Sheriff's Department. And he said, you should join us with a search and rescue. We've got free equipment. We've got discounts equipment for the aqualung, for the regulators and suits and all that. So mm-hmm. I applied. And then I, I had to go to the Sheriff's Academy. Uh, I went to the Sheriff's Academy, um, passed everything. Um, and, and, but I didn't know I had to go on patrol. So, so they put me on patrol in a black and white for four years. Then after the four years of uh, uh, training, uh, then I could uh, transfer to the search and rescue, which I did. Then I was a, a sergeant. I was uh, uh, leading the, the boat team, uh, the mountain rescue. I did the helitech. And I couldn't do 200, uh, 200 feet dives because of my ear. And after 15 years of scuba dive, with the search and rescue, uh, I went to the training bureau. And I used to do the defensive tactics. I was on with the defensive tactics on and off throughout my whole 30-year career. And my last 10 years, I wanted to try the detective bureau um, because I, I I don't like, well, I like to help the, the abuse kids and the elderly, abuse elderly. So I was focusing on that with the detective bureau. So mm-hmm. that was my end uh, uh, of the unit that I, I went to the sheriff department. Very cool. Do you have any memorable experiences during that time? A lot of good memories. You know, I mean, you know, sheriff department or law enforcement or any um, first responders, you get to see things that the normal uh, average person don't see. I mean, you know, we get to see uh, dead bodies, dead matters, and with babies and elderly, and you know, somebody got to retrieve those, those dead bodies. And, and um, I, I've seen that. And that's what makes me love life my family more when you have these kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. I never shot nobody, though. Oh, well, I guess that's good. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good thing. Now, now Sifu, you're, you're a defensive tactics instructor for a number of departments. Is that correct? Yeah, you know how it was. Is I, I was a defensive tactics instructor with Alec County Sheriff's. And I was good with the with the edge weapons and the, and the straight stick or PR24, the short handle stick. And I was doing a lot of that. The, the FBI people, um, one of them was an instructor, and he transferred to uh, the FBI. And he called me. He says, can you teach, uh, teach us uh, your edge weapon? And I said, sure. On one condition, I go through your program. So it was a three-week um, defensive tactics with the FBI that I went through. That's how I got certified with the FBI. And after the Rodney King situation, uh, Dr. Greg uh, Darcy, uh, he was a Sergeant Darcy then, 
he contacted me uh, about uh, training their, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, LAPD uh, uh, training. They're going to revise the training program. If I come up and, and help with the training program, I said, sure, I would. And then uh, they went to the, I went to the classes too, defensive tactics training uh, instructor's class, and, and I uh, completed that too. And after the Rodney King situation, they were uh, redoing the whole training uh, manual. They called me, they called Judy Jean, Benny the Jet, they called uh, Horian Gracie, and all those different martial artists came with the LAPD uh, to share our way of how we would restrain or control a suspect. And that's how they had developed, um, uh, that's how they had, yeah, developed their new uh, training programs. So I had certified with the LA Sheriff's, LAPD, and the FBI. Wow. Wow, tremendous. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that Rodney King thing just opened up new training for a lot of different departments. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, too much uh, uh, abuse uh, on the suspect. You know, they didn't have the guidelines, no policies at that time. Now they do. Very cool. Well, see, that's surprising, sir, because, and the only reason I say that is a lot of it seemed to be common sense at the time. It's not good to beat somebody half to death with your baton. That would seem to be, if it's it's in place or not, right? Well, yeah, that's true, too, but you got to see the law enforcement side, too, Um, because, you know, here's a patrol car goes out in the street, and the partner gets shot or get beat up by a suspect. So the next call, they see another guy. There's still anger about their partner's getting beat up, you know. So, so the psychological part is, you know, they, they didn't come down to right. the ground yet. And they're still up. And that's why it's like this. So now they got training um, on the use of force. They got to go through these policies and then go by the use of force. Um, that's why the, the – look at the sheriff department now in the in – the, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the inmates getting beat up, everybody getting fired. Look at Sheriff Baca; he getting he's on trial, and and what you call it? Uh, my friend Paul Tanaka, he's in jail. See, all these guys uh, they abuse their power sometimes when they're supposed to be more in control. Wow! Uh, completely under understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now I I read in your bio, sir, that. And you've expressed it here that you'd like to get involved outside the martial arts in your community. Can you tell us a little bit about what you and your school does to, to better your community? Yeah. Um, I mean, outside my school, uh, we do a lot of uh, community service, free community service. Just hang on one second. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of community service. Uh, like I do free women's self-defense because women get abused. I give free uh, children, uh, you know, 12 to 16 years old um, seminars. Like this Saturday, I just did one uh, up in Wilshire Boulevard for the um, Emory Academy, Martial Arts Academy, and they had kids. And I told the kids about, you know, uh, you hear a gunshot or you hear somebody yelling and screaming, uh, you run. Because um, these guys are, you know, seven, eight years old. They can't defend themselves that much. And I says, you know, you run, you, you hide, you cover, uh, cover your head until, you know, help comes. And, but teenagers, too, he says, you know, you got abuse in school. Um, these are situa- certain situations you can do um, to say no, go away. 
And then if you have to stop the aggressor, uh, you kick him, uh, you punch him, not to hurt him, but to stop them from hurting you. And this is what you tell authorities because you already warned them about stop, go away. No, I don't want to have trouble, you know, and stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. how we share or I share my martial arts with uh, my community. Very cool. Very cool. Now, just out of curiosity, um, have you ever had to use your martial arts outside of uh, law enforcement? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had an attitude, you know, in high school and college <laughs> I had an attitude. But, but we don't talk about stuff like that. I mean, you know, my my fight in, 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 in high school and college is not coming from me. I didn't uh, um, create the, the, the problem. It was my right. friends, the people I hang out with that cause troubles that I got to stop them from fighting, you know, in the bars and stuff like this. And and uh, when you start trying to stop your friend and somebody throwing a punch at your head, now you're in a fight. But I didn't start nothing. You know, it was my friend. It's always somebody else that gets you in trouble. I mean, you're mm-hmm. a good kid, but uh, look, that's what happened to me a lot. Mm-hmm. I was so there, listeners, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, so the listeners, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lesson to be learned here. You know, hang out with the right people and, and don't let them get you in trouble. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Listen to that, teenager. Got that? <laughs> you want to hear, you want to hear a true story? Sure. Please, absolutely. Yes, please. I had had one of my grandmasters. His name was Inting Karin. Inting Karin was for the Philippines, and he liked me because in the Philippines, we used to drink a lot of San Miguel beer. And I asked him, I said, said, do you have you had any uh, real uh, uh, confrontation with a knife? He said, oh, yeah. And he takes his shirt off, and he showed me all his stab wounds in his body. And, and, uh, he says uh, him and his friend went went in town, and 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 in the in the sixties or seventies, he says, and you know we don't have basketball and all that kind of sports like we do here. So he was in town, and then there was a fight, three guys against one guy, and and this one guy, this one Filipino guy, is his friend against three people. Now there's a lesson to be learned here because he says he went in to help his friend against mm-hmm. the three guys when he was. Uh, going against the three guys, his friend ran away. And so he ended up fighting the three guys. Then wow. uh, he says, uh, then somebody had, had a knife. He said that he, what he said is he captured a knife, which is disarmed the knife, and he started uh-huh. fighting with his knife. And then another guy jumped in, four against one. And, and then uh, he got hurt. Two guys or three guys were, were down all bleeding. And he was, the other two guys were given up for dead. They, the morgue people took all three up uh, to the to the morgue. But Anton Conan, he said, he's still alive. Take him to the hospital. And that's the only reason he lived. Now, the story is um, when his friend was fighting against his three guys, one of the guys was uh, the husband of the wife his friend was fooling around with. And that's Uh-oh. why the brother went after this guy. And then when he mm-hmm. tried to help his friend, his friend went away. So, you know, when you get into stuff like that, you got to know who your real friends are so they don't run away. And you got to know what the problem is before you start jumping in. But that's a lesson to be learned here. And I use this story all the time to my students. You know, you be careful who you're helping. Interesting? Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Very, very interesting. Very yeah. interesting because I've 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 known people to just blindly jump in, you know, just that's just their reaction. I want to help somebody and I'm just gonna blindly yeah, that's an instinct, but sometimes you're going to get shot. You know? You're going to exactly. get shot or you're going to get shot. You know, and when I was yeah. talking to this person that, um, you know, that is one of those types of people that will just jump in at the top of the hat, he said, well, yeah. you know, if you're going to sit there and think twice about going in, then someone could get killed. I'm like, well, you could too. Then who's going to help you? I mean, <laughs> you got to, you know, take it from Dan Master Bustillo, you guys. You know, you have to think yeah. Think quickly, make those choices Some, smartly. Sometimes you win, yeah. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Right. Exactly. Man. Oh man. <laughs> now, um, some of our listeners that might be younger, you know, like twenty, like under twenty, who are currently learning grappling, can you explain to them exactly what catch is catch can wrestling is? We know what it is, but can you explain to? the younger folks out there would yeah yeah that's a sketch can you know it's some uh it started in uh in europe you know catch mm-hmm. me if you can catch you if you can you know the wrestling like that um right. uh, there was a there was a grandmaster uh paul gotch paul gotch was uh, like one of the catchers catch can wrestlers and then he was one of the uh he was known for knowing uh a thousand and one submission holes Wow! And, and, yeah, yeah. Now, how he developed this was he used to go to the zoo and watch the monkeys uh, wrestle and fight, and and so that's how he got uh, his uh, techniques from watching you know animals and monkeys uh, wrestle. And 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 in, in Europe, when uh, it was getting popular, uh, then he traveled to uh, Japan and and here, but uh, today uh, it's called uh, um, professional wrestling. Professional okay. wrestling used catch as catch can. Judy Jean okay. Bell came from that background, catch as catch can. Oh, okay, okay. So there, there you go, folks. For those of you that are learning grappling, and uh, well, you know, don't... you know, like Bruce, like Bruce Lee says, you know, grappling's grappling. And anytime they want to grab you, standing or ground, that's grappling. And then people put the names on it, the, the style, jiu-jitsu, judo, aikido. Those are grapplers. Catch as catch can. Those are grappling. Yeah. Okay. And, then, cool. and then now, now they say, uh, and, and, and jiu-jitsu, judo, and all those grappling and wrestling is good on the ground. Um, but, you know, on the street, uh, they're frowned from going on the pavement and, and fighting, you know, especially if, there's two guys on one. You go on the ground. Two guys are going to beat the guy on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you have to know all the ranges: standing, weaponry, and ground range. Thank you. And like Thank Bruce you. Lee said, yeah, like Bruce Lee said, uh, the best defense is no defense. Um, uh, your martial arts is no martial arts. Just be mm-hmm. using no way as way. Right. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that and reminding people because, you know, uh, Bob and I and and a lot of martial artists out there, we we come across people that, um, you know, just love the grappling aspect and and are sure that they can defeat any attacker with just their grappling aspect. And they forget 
hey, what if it is two-on-one? You're on the ground trying to submit somebody. Someone's kicking your teeth in. But look at the, the uh, UFC or the MMA competitions. Guys mm-hmm. are getting kicked in the head and getting knocked out. Guys are getting punched and they're getting knocked out. They don't have to go to ground. Ground is very, very good for grappling. Mm-hmm. But then you got to know the, the punching and the kicking and the knee and the elbow. You know, the exactly. uh, MMA people... MMA people are uh, punching guys out who don't know about punching defense or elbow or kicking. Look at mm-hmm. this guy who's going to kick his head a lot. Look at uh, what's her name? Um, what's that female's name? Uh, uh, R- Ronda Rousey? Yeah, she got kicked in the head and she was a good grappler. She yeah. She know all those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So, yeah. So, got that mixed martial art people? Keep training hard. Got to know all the ranges. So, uh, yeah. for people that want to call us, for people that want to call us, give us a call three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. That's our phone number here. And when you call, if you want to speak live with Grandmaster Richard Lucio and and me and Bob, please press one on your keypad. That way, we'll know that you want to be a part of the conversation. Currently, we've got uh, one line with us um, that doesn't look like they want to speak to us. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to speak to us, please, uh, please press one. Or you can write your comments down below. Um, our friend Janie on our Facebook comment says, I am currently doing 60, but right now only watching throws and weapons. And um, what else do we got here? Everyone is everyone is listening intently. We had... Um, Daryl Dokumura that was watching um, for a little bit. Um, I don't know if he's still with us, but uh, he was watching a little bit earlier. And who else is? Oh, someone says. Uh, oh, it's Tony. Tony says I can't call. My daughter is is up and she's being loud. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, nice. Sifu, what what d- during your training with Bruce? Because we we knew he was. One of the original MMA. I mean, he you know he studied fencing and boxing and 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 Wing Chun. How did he break down the ranges? Did he, in comparison to today, the way you break them down, is it different than than the way the uh, uh, Fu Lee broke them down? Yes, um, Bruce Lee taught me to be well-rounded in all the ranges. So when you look at what he's saying. Um, you got to know the weapons range. I developed the weapons range, and I like the Filipino uh, uh sparring because you can train all you want, but if you don't know how to spar with the weapons, um, right. what's the use of training? Boxing mm-hmm. and Muay Thai, you know, those are striking arts, and I love those arts because uh, after you do the techniques, then you got to spar it and make it work in your sparring. Now, now in wrestling and jiu-jitsu, you know, whether it be standing and throws, uh, you got to know... Um, how to counter a throw if they kick you down, you know, how to uh, counter and reverse uh, different techniques that they got on you, how to uh, escape from a submission hole. So you got to know those ranges. And mm-hmm. and I like those three ranges because our IMB Academy logo uh, has those three elements, long range, middle range, and grappling range. And you have to know all three to be well-rounded, and then you use your different philosophies, concepts, and principles and training methods of Bruce Lee to enhance those three combative ranges. Okay, now let me ask you this. We, 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 
you know, we develop our range. We develop boxing, our kicking range, our trapping range, our grappling range. Now, uh, coming up in, in Jeet Kune Do, because I, I studied with uh, the late Ted Lukai Lukai. And uh, w- let's go to the trapping range for a second. At trapping range, trapping from what I remember about it, it was more accidental than incidental. Can you expand expand upon that? Uh, because trapping, for the most part, unless you're like superhuman, you can't make it happen at will. Do you agree with that or no? You're right. You're very right. Energy changes in combat and in fighting. Uh, the trapping range, you know, we do a lot of trapping for uh, energy and exercises, uh, exercising drills. But those are drills. The trapping range comes from the first entry. There's always going to be an entry, the first kick, the first punch, the first block. Now right. you can trap uh-huh. one time, and then you got to do your jikundo. What else are you going to do from there? Because the energy changes, and you got to react. When, you know what a pox hour is, correct? Correct, right. yes, sir. Yeah. I do one. If you block my hand, I do one pox hour. Um, we got different drills we can do from this energy. But you do one pox hour. I'm going to even the leg. I'm going to come back with the elbow. I'm going to go with the left foot, you know, and – uh, you do your own thing. Um, most people say, oh, trapping is not going to work. Yeah, it won't work if you do the, uh, the three, four, five ABC techniques. But the, the trapping comes from the first entry. Once you do one trapping, whether you block your hand on the inside, outside, or you block your kick, there's ways uh, um, you can counter and you start um, expressing yourself, so to speak. Expressing means, you know, whether you're going to punch, kick, knee, elbow, or take down, um, that's what you can do. You understand? Right, right. I, I, I remember getting chewed out. I was training down in uh, Chinatown with Mark Stewart at the time, which is one of T- Teddy's guys. And we were doing a demo for his grand opening, and he wanted me to do a certain sequence of trapping. Well, my right. opponent was giving me a different energy. So right. I couldn't do what he wanted, and my natural instincts took over. And, yep. oh, wow, I got, I got chewed out because <laughs> I, I couldn't do what he wanted me to do. And I remember that. It was actually really cool. One uh, aspect, now you like the Filipino arts now, and you, you like the Jeet Kune Do. Is there any aspects of the martial arts that you've studied in the past that you may prefer to teach or may prefer to have a, to apply in the field. Do you have anything like that? Well, the, you know, in, 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 a, in a, on the streets, the, the first thing that comes in is, is your hand. You know, they're going to grab you, they're going to push you, punch you, and then you can, you know, freelance what you want to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm um, not an expert, but I'm, I'm pretty uh, good with my hands, you know, the punching hands hammer fist and back fist and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's my forte in, in, the, in the boxing. Guys from the, the, the jiu-jitsu school come to me and they want to learn the hand, hand range, you know, and, and then you see that there's a Muay Thai range. And, and, uh, but they're good grapplers, but they want to see this other part of the martial arts, which is the striking range. Right. You know, Sifu, now I find it interesting uh, in a very cool aspect that the Muay Thai, I look at the Muay Thai as, you know, you've got your punching range, you've got your kicking range, but they're so, they're so close that 
their 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 kicking range is actually within most art punching range because they kick with their knee. They they are they. I'm sorry. They kick with their shin. They they knee. They elbow. Uh, yeah. That's why I feel Muay Thai is a very effective art because they actually move the ranges in. Yeah. Yeah, Muay Thai is very good. If you're in the inside the hand range, uh, you're in the elbow. But if they they, they they clinch with you, now you get the knee range. You know, and the knee is very good. I mean, you get them off balance, put them into your uh, knee side and kick with the knee. Then they're going to have to decide defending, and they'll open up one line. There comes the elbow. They step back, here goes with the kick. You know, and so you got to know your ranges now. But the knee is very, very effective. Today... In the MMA, people doing a, a, a chicken knee or the flying knee, and people getting caught with that because they don't know how to um, defend it. Um, to defend anything, you know what? You have to know what the offense looks like. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, all like when that. you well, right. and when you teach, because I know a lot of this may not be taught in the in in the in the Jeet Kune Do realm. Uh, when you teach a woman's self-defense class, do, do you go to ba- back to basics, wrist grabs, lapel grabs, chokes, that sort of thing for for uh, escapes when you teach a women's uh, classes? I, I, I do. I, I teach, uh, I teach um, uh, the defense uh, and escape. But now after you escape from a, from a, 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 uh, from a technique, now you got to know how to fight. I mean, you gotta you gotta have that courage to get that courage to fight back. Um, come from discipline. Discipline comes from training in the martial right. arts. You have to have that confidence. So, and and when I trained with four women, for instance, um, um, I said, all right, everybody, you're gonna your partner gonna grab you from the rear, bear hug, and, and how, how, this is how you get out of this uh, technique. Now the technique I show might not work for everybody, so I gotta individualize the technique for each person. A big guy grab a petite female, how are you gonna she gonna get out of this hole? So I gotta say, well you gotta change it. You gotta step to the right, uh drop your or kick the heel on the instep. Now the groin's open, have a fist to the groin, step you know, you can do all that stuff, but when you do your technique for for each individual, um uh, it it becomes an individual technique, not one technique for everybody. You have to be truth in the martial arts technique that you teach because one technique is not going to work for everybody. Make sense? Absolutely. And that goes back to what Bruce said about absorb what is useful, discard what is useful, because you're absolutely 100% right. Not every technique is going to work for everybody. All right. All right. And that's what I learned from Bruce. When people ask me, what specifically uh, did you learn from Bruce? Honesty. Honesty means, honestly, do you believe this technique going to work for this individual? Honestly, do you think this right cross going to work if he throws it against an, uh, an opponent? You know, and that's how you work it. Exactly. Now, I learned one thing that was really funny because, you know, not everything is going to work. Your boxout may not work. Uh, certain things may not work. Uh, a friend of mine has a saying, when all else fails, right hook. <laughs> Anything, you know, something else. Yeah. You got to react. You got to change. Just, yeah, just hit him. Now, 
Burton Richardson a long time ago said, and I agree with this, that when you're teaching trapping, that it's very easy to get lost in the trap because you tend to seek the trap instead of seeking the hit. Does that make sense? Yeah. How do you develop, develop that? Yeah, good. Because uh, traps don't work. If one trap works, you know, you're going to do your own thing. Your own thing is, you know, uh, expressing yourself. Uh, you know, you one trap don't work. He's inside and he's holding your hand. Headbutt. You know, um, um, if the headbutt don't work. He's holding your hand. Knee. You know, and you got to just react. React uh, with uh, your, your own instincts. Very cool. Absolutely. Rusty, why are you so quiet? Oh, because I'm, I'm reading all the comments. <laughs> oh, um, okay. She's watching, she's watching the have... Oscars. She's watching the Oscars. <laughs> we do have a few questions from our, from our peanut gallery on Facebook Live. Um, Janie asks, how does Grandmaster Bustillo feel about Krav Maga training in the self-defense teaching? Uh, you know, Krav Maga is good. You know, all good. But these are techniques that they, they're doing. You know, um, uh, the good guys are good. Uh, they do one technique and they can freelance it. Uh, right. You know, I, I, I've i seen their stuff. Um, everything is good. You just got to know how to fight, though. You have to know how to spar. Mm-hmm. Right on. Oops, sorry. I hit my my microphone stand. And we have a question also from Mr. Derek Cazanares. He asks, did you know, uh, asking you, Grandmaster, did you know Grandmaster John Yee from San Pablo? From San Pablo? And I got to scroll up. Uh, yeah, did you know Grandmaster John Yee from San Pablo, Richmond, California? That was his yeah. question. Uh, no, wait a minute. When you say Lee or Yee, John Lee? Yee. John Yee. Yee. Y E E. You know, I met a lot of wonderful people, you know, and, and uh, I'd be known by nicknames or by Sifu or Sigong, but uh, that don't ring a bell. I, I got to see them facially, and well, I met a wonderful people, but I, the names sometimes don't, don't ring a bell. Okay. So there you go, Derek. <laughs> now let's um let's delve a little wait, bit. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What, what, what was his concern about me knowing John Yi? Oh, he just, I guess he was just wondering, considering that you were uh, in the California area at that time. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah, so that's what I'm guessing. He just said, do you know Sifu John Yee? And I said, okay, I'll ask him. <laughs> yeah. Now let's, um, let's uh, take it back to uh, your boxing um, experience. Now, while you were boxing, do you recall what your record was? Of course. Um, <laughs> I started, I started, 10 years old now, and we used to have weekend bitty boxing. You know, I was a 65, 75 pound, uh, and we used to just box every time. But, you know, after, you know, after 10, 20 fights, you know, you don't keep track anymore. But here's my record. Don't tell nobody, okay? Okay. It's 98, it's 98, 1, and 1. That's pretty good, huh? 90? That's very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I was, I'm sitting here with my jaw hanging on the ground. What? Okay. One and one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, That's 98 incredible. times. 98 times, I didn't show up. One time, 
I got knocked out. One time, I jumped out the ring. <laughs> don't, don't tell nobody that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, promised my mom, I promised my mother, I'm only going to fight 100 times. So my record is 98, 1-1. One one. But don't <laughs> tell nobody because, you know, um, I'm, I'm proud of my record. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell a soul. <laughs> Okay. Yes, yeah. lips are sealed. Right. Okay. <laughs> now you were you were also selected as a coach for the U.S. Olympic team. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how that came how that came about? I'm um, I was a member at the uh, local boxing uh, uh, Los Angeles uh, boxing committee uh, in Los Angeles. I was a coach official, and these were all the uh, USA amateur boxing uh, officials meet once a month. And twice a year, a U.S. Olympic training center uh, hosts uh, clinics uh, for the U.S. coaches, coaches from uh, the wrestling, from the weightlifting, the boxing, track and field, swimming, and all those coaches that, that we have that goes to the Olympics. And there are two training centers, one in Michigan and one in uh, Colorado Springs. Um, I sent a letter. I'm not supposed to have done this, but I sent a letter to the Olympic Training Center in, uh, in Colorado Springs that I'm interested in attending uh, the boxing thing, uh, coaches clinic. I, I got accepted. My local community people got upset. How come I got accepted? Because there were other people, uh, seniority, wanted to go to this uh, uh, coach's clinic. I said, well, I sent him a letter. They said, you're not supposed to have sent a letter. You have to send a line. But you, they, they accepted you, so I, I went to three weeks training at the Colorado Springs training camp. I, I presented my boxing skills. Uh, the, the truck and field presented his. In the last uh, couple of days uh, before the, the training ended, we had to do, do a little representation, representation about our sport. I did a 15-minute le- uh, lecture about my boxing, and I showed them uh, the 12-count uh, principles of boxing punches. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Taylor liked what I did. He said, how did you ever develop this? I said, because of the Filipino arts, they have 12 counts numbering, and then now I just uh, involve it with the punching. And he said, would you be interested in going to uh, – uh, Cuba, uh, uh, would I ever be interested in going to Cuba as an assistant coach? Oh, I said, I would love to. Then um, they sent my local committee uh, uh, a letter saying that um, they approve of me going to um, uh, Cuba. But the president and the members again get upset. It says, you know, there are people here been waiting for 20 years to get on the Olympic team. Uh, if you go, uh, no, we can't let you go because you're going to upset the members. So, so mm-hmm. I was denied uh, going to the uh, Olympic, uh, what you call it, uh, uh, competition in Cuba. Wow. That was my first call to going to the Olympic as a coach. Dang. Yeah, wow. but uh, you know, I, I was most. I still got the letter from the from the Dr. Taylor, but. Uh, um, um, I, I was accepted in the coaching, but my local committee says no, I couldn't make goals because there were other people in front of me. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, I made somebody good. You know, I mean, I made somebody happy that they're going instead of me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, speaking of mm-hmm. boxing, um, actually, kickboxing, actually, I just got a text from our other co-host, uh, Kathy Long, um, and she said that one of her first fights, she met you, but she didn't know who you were at the time. She said that after one of her first fights, she got got the snot beat out of her. And she remembers, she distinctly remembers that you came up to her after that fight and that you told her that, yeah, you might have uh, you might have gotten beat up, but you won that fight. And she remembers... Uh, I remember Kathy Long very, very well. Did, did, you, did she text this to you? Yeah, well, she, yeah, she texted that she remembered what you told okay. her. Okay, no, no, no. What happened was uh, she went in, and, and, and Kathy had a, a fighting heart, but her background training wasn't kickboxing. She comes mm-hmm. from the Kung Fu background, and right. they didn't make no contact, you know, the points fighting and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And I got to do that. And she came to me and she says, uh, you know, uh, what could she have done better? And mm-hmm. I don't want to tell her in front of her seafood that, you know, you're training wrong because it's uh, Eric somebody was his, was her, uh, his uh, her, uh, coach. And then I didn't want to tell her what to do in front of her seafood. I mm-hmm. said, look, at, come down to the gym, uh, the IMB Academy in Torrance, and then uh, we'll show you how to train. She came. She came the week after. And then I, I show her a tie pad, how you kick the pads, how you hit the punch and stuff. She never did that type of training before. And then she moved back for three months. She moved to Manhattan Beach, and every day she was there, she had a heart, a fighting heart. And then she started hitting harder. She started kicking properly. Um, and then she went back home, and I told her, when you go back home, this is how you train. And I said, you go, go what they call heel repeaters. And she didn't know what Hillary Peters was, you know, because she was working on her legs. I said, you got to run up the hill. He said, he said, I remember this. Bakersfield don't have hills. I said, go to the stadium where there's uh, steps. Um, and, then, and then use your heavy jacket, combat boots, and run up the steps and back and forth. So you develop your legs. And she called, and she called me back two weeks later. She says, uh, uh, that don't work. So is it okay if I carry this guy on my back and run up the steps? You know, and she went further. And then she had her first fight. Uh, uh, first, uh, what do you call it, uh, championship fight. I think it was in uh, Reno. And she called me, said, can I be in her corner? I had a seminar the same date. I couldn't make it. And I said, good luck. She won the championship. And then she had another fight. I don't know if it's in Las Vegas. And the same thing happened. I had a seminar of schedule and I couldn't make it and then she never called me after that and I've seen that she's been winning this and that and everything um, Kathy's a good tough girl and I knew she was going to be good because she had a fight now she had no fear and all you got to do is show her the ropes and she got it right on very cool well she sends her best so likewise likewise I, I, yeah, I love this kid yeah I'll let her and know I heard she's yeah, she's doing seminars now. She's doing good for herself, and she's uh, sharing her, her skills with other people. Yeah, well, that's good. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Now, 
Now you and I, you and I met a few weeks ago at the Martial Arts History Museum, where you donated your uniform for the U.S. Escrima team. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that first uniform, um, Jesus, what year was this? This was in the in the '89, I think, when the Philippines had the first international Escrima tournament. And so we had we, we needed uh, somebody uh, from the U.S. to represent, and and they had a big school up in San Francisco, and they were looking for uh, coaches. So everybody put their names in, and and I was voted in as the head coach, and I got the names of all the champions of a scrimmer in the United States, and I emailed. Oh, we didn't have emails then. But I emailed everybody uh, how they're going to train. Um, to get to the Philippines. I, I knew we were going to get our butt kicked with the Filipinos because we were u- young uh, in tournaments. And uh, when I said, uh, uh, you're going to have to run three miles. You have to do, uh, you know, five-minute miles and stuff like that to get to the Philippines. And most of them did. They, 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 took, my, uh, uh, they took my word, my advice, and then they started training. We went to the Philippines. Uh, I trained them at this YMCA. It was hot. It was so hot. Um, um, and I said, you think this is hot? Wait till you go in the stadium tomorrow and and fight those uh, uh, five, ten thousand Filip- screaming Filipinos in the in the audience. They don't <laughs> like white guys in there, you know. And 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 um, so we went in there and and uh, we fought. I, I asked for the fan on my team because it was so hot, and uh, we won our share of fights, um, which was very very exciting because uh, we didn't think we were going to win. Excuse me. Yeah, and then uh, we, we uh, it was very, very interesting because we beat those guys. Uh, some of the ones that we beat, uh, we beat them on, on uh, conditioning. And, and the Filipinos, they were taking us around and all that. They, were, they weren't getting our their rest. I had our guys the curfew, you know, go to bed, get, get up this time and win. Uh, and we'll win. And, um, uh, we won our share. We won our share of fights, which was our, we were very happy. We didn't get wiped out. Um, and that uniform that I wore there, uh, I gave it to the museum because I don't think I'll ever wear it again. Mm-hmm. Wow, cool. Very, very cool. So for anyone out there that would like to speak directly with Grandmaster Richard Bustillo, put your questions down below in the comments below. Um, if you're listening on Facebook Live, or um, you can give us a call directly on our Blog Talk Radio show board at, write this down, folks, 347-677-0699. And remember that when you call in, please press 1, so that way we know that you want to speak live with us. All right, let's take the mic over to Bob. And they're watching the Oscars, I tell you. We should have watched the Oscars. That's what they're doing. <laughs> I, think, I think I should just uh, put it up on Netflix and we could all watch it. <laughs> or not, wait, not Netflix. Right. Uh, that I could stream it. We could just all watch it. <laughs> but, so, you know. Sifu, uh, you know, you, you, you trained with the legendary Bruce Lee and you had some wonderful experience and times. What is your most memorable Experience of of trading with the late Bruce Lee. Oh boy, there's a lot of them. 
uh, training with the late Bruce Lee. You know, I, I never knew about the, the philosophies, about the martial arts, uh, the concepts and ideas and thought behind your, your martial arts or the principles, which is the explanations, the sensitivity drills. You know, I never knew that. You know, I was a boxer. I just want to punch uh, uh, all offense. I didn't, know, I didn't know too much about the sensitivity drills and how you can, you know, get out of situations. But, again, uh, the most important training I got from Bruce Lee was honesty. Will this technique going to work for you in this situation? You know, and, and that's the, the best one. Here's a good one. Um, um, Bruce Lee called me up one, one, uh, one weekday. I used to work the graveyard ship at, at the airlines, uh, Continental Airlines. So he knew I was home in the morning. So he called me up and said, what are you doing? I said, nothing. You want to train? He says, no. At that time, Bruce Lee didn't have a car. So, you know, myself or Danny Nassanto or Ted Warren used to um, chauffeur for him around town. He says, no, I want to go buy this Tiger brand shoe. Uh, if you got time to pick me up, um, you want to go to the valley and, and um, um, look at the shoe. So I went over, picked him up. And in those days, in the 60s, everybody smoked in a restaurant, in an airplane, um, you know, in the public. And I, too, oh, was yeah. smoking a cigarette. I was, I was smoking a cigarette in the car, uh, and Bruce Lee didn't mind. Uh, <clears throat> but when we were on top of the hill on Malholland Drive, and he says, see that uh, yellow-brown uh, smog? I said, yeah. He says, see, smog is very, very terrible in L.A. But at that time. He says, that's what's in your lungs. Because I was smoking. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'll put it on. He said, oh, no, but I just want to tell you, that's what's in, the, in your lungs. Uh, so I put my cigarette out. And then and then um, he says, uh, you must master your habits. Don't let your habits master you. That was a profound statement. And then when I went to work that night, on the white fuselage, the white body of the Continental Jet, there was an exhaust port at the very end of the tail. On the white painting on the tail, there was that same yellow-brown stain on the plane. And I looked at that, I said, you know, that's what Bruce Lee told me about, the yellow-brown stain is in my lungs. So I quit smoking. I quit smoking until I have about three or four beers and I want to smoke again. You awake? Wow. Now, now I want to ask you, Sifu, there's been a lot of controversy over the years, and of course, being a political uh, arena now, uh, about the difference between Jeet Kune Do and Jeet Kune Do concepts. Oh, good question. Yeah, yeah, it's all sales pitch. It's all marketing. Jeet Kune Do is Jeet Kune Do. It's the way to stop, the way to intercept and fist. And then behind that, there's concepts, there's principles, you know, and then there's theories behind your Jeet Kune Do. They say concepts and all that, that's a marketing value. They want to make it like they, it's more important. Jeet Kune Do is the way they accept and fit. And to get that, you have to know the concepts and the principles and the theories and the Bruce Lee's training methods. All that is involved with Jeet Kune Do. And that's why Bruce Lee Thank says, you. you know, hear, hear that, listeners? We got it from the man this time. Because yeah. there's always but, been know, controversy, Sifu. Right. Yeah, but you see, but you see, um, that's why Bruce Lee and, and Danny Nassano afterwards, they, they named it. They said, oh, no, we did the wrong thing. We shouldn't have called it Jigendo because people are going to think it's a style. It's a system. It's a one-way, traditional way. And it's not. You know, it's the individual's own 
uh, personal uh, uh, expression of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Good question. Well, I, I, I do remember there was a very well-known, I won't use his name, uh, martial artist that, that was a Jeet Kune Do instructor down south that I said, yeah, I studied Jeet Kune Do with, with Taylor Kyle Kai, Mark Stewart. And he's like, no, you study the concepts. You don't study Jeet Kune Do. And I was like, wow. <laughs> he took it to a different level for me, right? Wow. Uh, no, no, you know, you know, no, when people tell you stuff like that, it's like what Bruce Lee always say, but can this guy fight? You know, right. what do you know? What do you know? Do you concepts or not? Can you fight? That's the important thing. Can you fight? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's telling you, you don't know, Jukundo, let's get in the ring. Let's get on the street, you know, and we see who got Jukundo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Well, you heard it, now, folks. You heard it from the man himself. Jikundo is Jikundo. Jikundo concepts. Just you know, too much, too much. You know, trying to divide. Market. Market. Yeah. Market. Yeah, they, want, they want. They want to market the thing like they do something different. That's not the difference. It's the same thing. Wow. Right. Thank you. Now, now, Sifu, have you noticed over the years? Now, I now Rusty went through this evolution with me. Uh, a while ago, because, you know, I started with Ted Lukai for a little bit. I started with one of his students, and there was a watering down factor I noticed. You know, I had studied Jeet Kune Do and, and Kali for years under Mark Stewart, but I did not know what the term Gunting meant for 25 years because it was watered down. Do you have a lot of, do, do you see that a lot, a, a lot of watering down within the martial arts? I mean, I'm not talking about you, of course. I'm talking about other arts. Yeah. Um, um, you know, they said a second, second generation, third generation, it gets to be watered down. Um, even me, it could be watered down because even though I learned directly from Bruce, it's not the same thing as Bruce Lee's doing. Um, they have a lot of charlatans, a lot of imposters, a lot of fakes that put up the name Jeet Kune Do or Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. And they have no concept. They have no idea uh, about what Bruce Lee trying to teach. And that's where it's watered down. Mm-hmm. When you look at those guys training, uh, they put in the hands on the hip, you know, like the karate reverse punch. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, wow. and so they really don't understand uh, uh, Bruce Lee Jukundo. So wow. it is true, yeah. It gets watered down by certain people. Yeah. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> why people would want to actually, you know, open a brick and mortar school and um, and then claim sorry folks, my, my feet interrupted for a little bit, but as I was I don't understand how some people can open a brick and mortar school and then claim they teach you can know when they have no idea what they're doing, you know? Oh yeah, um, a lot of imposters out there a lot of fakes, all for the almighty dollar Right. Oh, you just opened up a can of worms, Rusty. There is an instructor that claims that seafood has never studied in his life because he said he, and we, him and I taught at the same school in Burbank. He claims that Bruce Lee said anybody can teach Kundo. Is that a true statement? Yeah, no. If this guy can, he can do the whole ranges. Um, he probably can, but if you don't understand. The full range of martial arts, and it's impossible. Mm-hmm. He, he's a Wing Chun instructor. 
Now, see, Wing Chun is a system. It's a right. uh, traditional way. Bruce Lee had modified a lot of the uh, traditional way of, of uh, Wing Chun. Um, he modified to fit his own uh, 135 pounds, uh, five, uh, five, seven uh, height. So certain things in Wing Chun he didn't like because it wasn't practical or functional uh, for street combat or street self-defense. Hmm. He says, "I don't. I will right. never go into." This. I, he said, "I will never go into this Wing Chun stance on the street, you know, and stuff like this. I'll never do the horse stance. I'll never do this poses." Right. Yeah. That's. I, and I can appreciate that because that's what I got when I was when I was doing the Jun Fan portion. Uh, that now I'm in a boxing footwork with the trapping concepts. That was very cool to me, even though I that's learned. Good. The, the other Wing Chun with the flat stance and the, the very stiff movement. Right. Now, you got to be true to yourself. Which one's going to work for you in the streets or self-defense? Right. So you got to be honest with yourself. You can do all of it, but be honest with yourself. Which is practical? Which is functional? Which is combative for my, my needs? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it looks like we have a caller, so let's go ahead and take it. <clears throat> uh, area code 708. 708, you're on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Who's this? Hey, Rusty and Bob. It's Steve. How are you? Hey, Steve. I'm like, do I know that area code? I'm beginning to remember it. <laughs> How's it going? Question for Grandmaster. Very good. Very good. Uh, I, I couldn't believe when I uh, tuned in, you hadn't uh, said it was Master Richard yet, but I actually recognized his voice from a uh, previous interview. I'd heard it before. Master Richard, okay. I'm, uh, my name is Steve Lilligan, and I uh, trained with Guru Dan, and I trained for many years with C. Larry before he passed away. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I, I was curious. Um, if you could tell us, uh, I know, obviously, the fundamentals of the June Fund, I've been doing been involved with this family since 1991 but i'm curious as to what it was like if you could tell us to uh spar with sifu bruce and what were some of the favorite techniques and things that he used well you know the when he said techniques you know it's uh the freedom of expression that he does it's not a set type of techniques Spawn Bruce Lee was a eye opener. It was upsetting. It was frustrating uh, because he had so much speed. You know, uh, when I used to get in my set stance and then uh, moving around, I try to throw a jab, and I used to have a pretty good jab. It kicked my hand, uh, and, and so I said, "Okay, uh, I just gonna uh, redirect my punches." And I and I, I fake and I try to throw a hook or try to kick. He stopped me with a body kick. No, and stuff like that. It's very upsetting and frustrating to train with a guy who's way above your level. And then we okay. start, I start training. I start training uh, his way, and I didn't prove a little bit, but, you know, he, I, I couldn't touch Bruce Lee. It was upsetting. <laughs> it was upsetting. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, interesting. So, basically, he did a lot of intercepting with you. Yeah, yeah, you could say that, but you didn't know where he came from. You know, uh, he, he touched me, just kicked with his, on a leg, and then so he, he faked the leg kick. I put my leg up, and he tapped me on the shoulder with his leg, you know, and you don't see it coming. It was so fast. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. It, you know, in, in anybody's private collection, do you know of any the existence of any footage of Sifu Bruce sparring? No, no, we didn't have <laughs> in those days of Victor Sixty Four. Uh, we didn't have uh, but uh, what eight millimeter film projectors and stuff like that. That's all we had. We didn't yeah, have the, the water cell phone now. No, I don't know anybody else. Yeah, there, there just was a little bit of footage of him in his backyard with some of his students working out, you know, movie scenes and such. And I didn't know if there was yeah. any of him like doing any serious training. No, no, I, I don't know of any. Uh, yeah, just the one in his backyard and the one in Seattle. That's all I know about. Always Sam's. Oh wow. About. Okay. Well, you said so you started Larry, huh? Yeah, I, I was very close with Sifu Larry uh, up and through through uh, his passing in 2007, actually. It was yeah. a, a heartbreaking moment for me, to say the least. Uh, well, every time I Larry, saw Guru Dan... What's that? Larry, uh, when I inspired Larry, you know, I knew his strength. He was like a rock. Uh, you know, that pox out, it's not going to work on him. you got to do something else. So instead of my hand slapping his forearm, I used my forearm on his forearm. Uh, what they call Lansau, uh, uh, you know, because he's so strong. Right. He's like a pop. You cannot move him. But we had fun together. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he spoke with me, you know. Uh, I won't I won't say anything. I never would say anything negative about the people that say he mentioned that he wasn't always so happy with or impressed with. But you and uh, you were uh, one of the people that he actually spoke very highly of. Obviously, and of course, he was with Guru Dan through his last days. But uh, yeah, yeah. He had a, I, I, you know, you probably know this anyways. But he, he told me that he actually had a tremendous amount of respect for you. So, I guess it's always nice oh, to since he's likewise. he's no longer with <laughs> us. Likewise, the first time I sparred with uh, Larry, Bruce was there and Dan and the whole class and everybody watching us. So I, I get in my stance and we start moving around, and Dan was the one who said, "Rich, watch his heel hook kick." And he had a good flexibility for a big guy. I didn't, re- I didn't know that. I thought I was going to take him with my hands. So we start moving around, and here comes that shoe. Come right in front of my head. Bang. I lucky I could, you know, slip back. Not that he was going to nail me, but I re- had a real different respect from him when he showed that heel hook on my head. And then we start mixing it up a little bit. And I had a renewed respect because I didn't know he could do all that stuff. That's when I uh, yeah. Uh, it wasn't until that unfortunate car accident he got into where he had the screw in his hip where he uh, had to he actually uh, made the shift to grab Yeah, yeah. Before that, he was good. He had good flexibility. He got a replace yeah, hip yeah. and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that good was you. You yeah, worked, it was too bad. You worked with one of the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I and I. <laughs> This is one of those, you know, keep your composure because I miss him so much kind of a thing. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, we were very close until he finally passed. It was kind of a shock, too, because, you know, you know, he was, you know, as you know, Sifu Larry, he was such a proud guy that he told me he actually had beat the cancer. But I was out there taking private lessons with him and he was taking these uh, radiation pills still. And he was telling me how it affected his hands and, you know, and it made the skin peel on his hands and he was having a tough time. Oh boy! Yep, I know it's hard. Yeah, and and and, and uh, I might add, I I lived in Chicago for years, and as of this November, I just moved out to uh, La Quinta, California. So instead of being two thousand miles away from the academy, I'm now one hundred and forty-two miles 
So I actually just recently was able to live my dream of being able to train, you know, at Guru Dan's gym on a semi-regular basis. 142 miles might seem far to a lot of people, but if you're really passionate about something, you know, for starters, I'm as, as close as I can get. You know, I'll I'll move closer yeah. eventually. But uh, it's not so bad. Danny and Osana and I used to travel twice a month in San Francisco, eight-hour trip, going wow. and every other trip back. Yeah. So when people wow. says, you know. Man, I gotta go one or two hours. I start laughing at him. I says, "You want martial arts? You gotta go. You want the best? You gotta go with the best." Well, there, we did that for there a long you go. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, the the sad part is, is uh, being from Chicago, I thought I knew what traffic was like, but boy, L.A. traffic <laughs> is something else. I had yep, no yep. idea what I was in for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, L.A. Well, is one is a one and two. What's that? Los Angeles is uh, the the worst traffic in in a city. LA is number one or number two for the worst traffic in a city. Well, you know, I, I work as a truck driver, and I would have to say number one because I drive all over the country, and wow. <laughs> you know who's number three? You know who's number three? Who's the that? worst traffic in the city, Honolulu. I'll really? bet. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. See, see, for Richard, just curious, where is your school? My school? Yeah. You said my, my, it's the IMB Academy in Torrance, Torrance, California. Oh, see, now, I, I knew it was the IMB, obviously, just because, you know, for years following the martial arts, but you, yourself, Steve Fuller, and Guru Dan were actually the three people that I always wanted to train with. So I've never had the pleasure of uh, working out with you. in the. But so if you're in Torrance... That's driving distance. So yeah, well, we're coming down. Yeah, for sure. Now next here's a question month, for you: ne- What days? What, what ne- days do you teach? Next month. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Next month, um, I think it's uh, May the 11th. We have a. I have my Eskrima, Eskrima seminar. You should come down for that Saturday. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, th- this is the deal. Email me. I actually email tra- me and I'll email you the flyer. Oh, that's fantastic. I actually am a truck driver, so I'm on the road for a week and a half to two and a half weeks at a time. So literally, I get to the academy now two to three times a month, and that's the best I can do. So when I say I don't even know, I'm leaving out on Monday, and I never know when I'm going to come back next. So I just have to say – What do you transport? I transport everything. I, I, you know, I could be, you know, I've silly, silly bulk items to Costco to, to you name it. I've driven all kinds of hazardous materials in the past, you know, machinery stuff. It could be anything. Uh, yeah. So it's, I, I literally can say I've transported everything. I've had uh, a trailer full of fireworks before, which is definitely no fun because that's highly explosive. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, so I literally never know what I'm going to be carrying. I'm going to drop something off, and then my 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 company says go to this place and pick up this stuff, and that's when I find out what I'm carrying next. So uh, it makes it kind of exciting, right? I had, that is I had incredible. A I had a student who was a truck driver too, and he used to haul produce. And every time he comes to my to my gym, he'd bring me a box of you know orange and apples and grapes and all that stuff. So we oh, nice. 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 Yeah. 
One of the pleasant surprises of living in California is I actually have an orange tree and a grapefruit tree in the yard of the house that I'm renting. So how oh, cool good. is that? I, yeah, I've actually uh, made yeah. myself freshly squeezed orange juice. Got to love it. Of course. Of course. Well, see, for Richard, I, I look forward to stopping in your school. I'll be down there at some point for sure because it, it was actually a life's dream to get out to California and be a member of Inasano Academy. And knowing that you're so sure. close – uh, it would be ridiculous for me not to have the opportunity to train with you. So let me ask you this. Sure. I know Guru Dan really only teaches on Tuesdays and Thursdays aside from weekend seminars. Is Are there specific days that you're there yourself? I'm, I'm there every day. Um, like Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm there from 6 to 6, no, seven, yeah, 6 to 9, 2 hours. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm there from the boxing class, uh, kickboxing class. Two hours from five to seven. I'm there almost every day. Okay. Saturdays, Saturdays. Fantastic. If I'm not on the seminar tour, I'm there from about the eleven to um, uh, twelve. Oh, fantastic! So I will have the opportunity actually to be in your class, that which obviously is the goal. You, you should call before you come down. You know what? I was already thinking that. <laughs> I've been hitting that three times and I'm not gonna remember all those times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got a you got a pencil pencil and paper? I am getting one right now. Okay, shoot. It's three one zero seven eight seven seven eight seven eight seven nine three. Eight seven nine three. I IMBAcademy.com. Check it out on the website. Uh, excellent. I will do that for sure, sir. All right. Nice well, talking awesome. to you. Well, it was, yeah, it was absolutely a pleasure and an honor speaking to you. You have a great day, and I will continue right, to Bob. listen. Later, Rusty. Later, Bob. Steve. You take, take care, care, Steve. Bye-bye. So, uh, Steve, yeah. would you tell us when that Eskima seminar is again next month or the month after? I forgot when you said it was. March 11th. March 11th. Yeah. It's about another two weeks. 12 to 2, two hours. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, you guys should come down too. You know, I I want to. (laughs) It's just a matter of, maybe I said Bob. (laughs) What are you asking about? She's got a little bit of a commute. Sifu, she lives in Seattle. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but I would, I would come down for that. I would. For two hours? Yeah, I'd come down for that. Um, I just don't uh, know if I can that in two in two weeks, but definitely I'd love to come visit your academy also one day. Um, yeah, when I, next time I go to Seattle, uh, I'm going to invite you there too. That would be awesome. That would be awesome, yes. Awesome. Right. I would would come to that definitely because I, okay. I I've known that you've come up here and I've gotten invitations and I'm and there was always something that happened but yeah next time you're up here I'll I'll, I'll want to go <laughs> definitely anything now, else people, I was curious there there was a story a long time ago but you know how when people weren't there stories proliferate and they they're just not true and you don't know was it true that Bruce had a uh, a bag so heavy in his gym, he was the only one that could move it. 
Yeah, it was. We call it. Uh, we call it a three hundred pound bag. Bob Wall made this big, fat, heavy bag. It was red. Um, and and to move a three hundred pound bag, well, it wasn't exactly three. It was close to it. But to move it, you got to have a really good, powerful, uh, you know, that step and slide sidekick. So you throw your own weight into the bag. Exactly. And uh, Mr. Inosano had that bag in his school, and I got a duplicate in my school. Wow, and he was the only one that could. I I can't even imagine that that well, kind of power. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, well, other people could other people could move it, but not like how Bruce can. You know, Bruce has an explosive, what they call an impact, explosive impact. You could whack that foot on a bag, and you can hit a loud blast, and then move the bag. And mm-hmm. we used to try to stand behind the bag and see if the bag will reach us. We step back. And he'll kick it again and try to make it reach us. And he was the, the most powerful guy who could move it. You know, Danny Nassano had a good sidekick, too. And so was Larry Hartzell. Those guys know how to drive that kick. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Inosanto has that bag now. Wow. You should call him up, interview him. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, I would a bag to... that's 40 years old. Huh? Well, yeah, I would love to, I would love to get Gurdan. Um, on our show, definitely. So, um, all right. Well, we only have a few. I just looked at my clock and I just realized that we only have a few minutes to our show <laughs> left <laughs> before Blog Talk Radio kicks me off. But um, I've got um, so this number for the IMB Academy, the three one zero seven eight seven eight seven nine three. That's the number to the uh-huh. academy. Okay, uh-huh. so that's how we contact you. So listeners out there, if you're ever in the Torrance area in SoCal and you want to visit the IMB Academy, make sure you call first. Make sure you call first. 310-787-8793. Don't be just showing up unannounced. <laughs> no, call. You, you call. Yeah, call first to see if I'm going to be home, you know, because I'm always out too. Right. I'm always on the road. Yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, and it's a... Uh, common courtesy so make sure you call everyone 310-787-8793 before um, coming out to visit the IMB Academy and if you've never met Bustia, just tell them that you uh, that you heard about uh, the IMB Academy through Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio well Bob Good. since we have to wrap up here Bob do you have any last questions for Grandmaster Bustia well, call it a day well the one we always wrap up with uh Sifu is, if you had somebody come up to you and wanted to study martial arts, what advice would you give them? If, if a student wants to learn martial arts, you know, they have to go to the school and, and witness or eyeball the, the facility, the training, the mats and stuff like that. And most important, though, is the instructor. Because uh, the instructor who has, you know, callous knuckles um, and, and can do all his forms and stuff, uh, it's not as important as can he teach you martial arts. Some of yes, the instructors, sir. you know, they do very fancy and fluent and they look good, but uh, a lot of them, not a lot of them, a few don't have the trust, the honesty, the responsibility for that student. All they're looking for is the almighty dollar. So they start, mm-hmm. the student got to interview um, the instructor and see that they have a uh, a, a match, and that's mm-hmm. important. 
Thank you. Thank you for that advice. So you hear that, folks? Don't don't just join a school haphazardly. Take a, eyeball it. Eyeball the teacher. Eyeball the class. Um, eyeball how the teachers teach. There you go. Yeah, it's a two way. It's a two way interview. You know, see yeah. what they're doing. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. You know, so that's how you pick a right school. Yeah, you want to make sure that it's a match for what you're looking to learn, and and the other way too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If, because the instruct because if the instructor if, if the instructor is a champion in so many uh, arts, that doesn't mean he can teach you to be that champion. You know. Exactly. So it's different. All right, guys. I sure appreciate the interview. Could I have a copy of this? You bet. It's going to take just a uh, few minutes for the recording to archive, but it's going to be archived forever. And what we can do is we can send you a link to the okay. to the show. And that way you can actually download it and put it on your iPod or your phone or your computer, and you'll have it. I sure appreciate that. Yeah, I want, I want my students to hear this. You bet you. That's that's why we'd like okay. to get the link. So. Okay. It was nice talking to you. It was interesting. And I uh, hope to hear from you guys again next time. Definitely. Oh, Thanks. perfect. See, but we really appreciate it, sir. Okay. All right, Bobby, take care. You Bye. too now. All take right, care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I said, woo! (laughs) What an awesome day, yeah? What an awesome interview. Yeah. Yeah, we had a great time. And for those of you that are just now tuning in, you missed out. (laughs) You missed out. No, we're going to look at all these likes popping up on on our show. Boom, 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 boom. We keep hitting those like buttons, you guys. Boom, 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 boom. One of, uh, what, one of our great shows for the season. And uh, you can go ahead and download this show also. So um, at this very same link that you're watching on Facebook Live. Um, well, yeah, you can download the, the video, I think. Uh, but on Blog Talk Radio, you'll be able to download the audio. And uh, we'll uh, be forwarding the link to that, not only to you guys, but also to to Richard Bustillo. So, woo, that was so much fun. What did you think, Bob? Oh, I loved it. You know, we at first we were going through questions so fast, and he was answering them really short. And we're going, holy crap, this is only going to be a 15-minute interview. And we, we did it again. We lasted almost the whole two hours. Yeah, we always seem to do that. I don't know how we do it, but we always seem to do it. And and you know, and I think it's just because of the flow, the way the the flow of the show goes. We have and for those of you that are just you know, um, just uh, new fans and stuff, we don't have like a script. We have an idea of what we want to ask, but everything is free flowing after that, and that's what we think makes for a very organic. So, uh, uh, a very genuine conversation. And you know what's really funny? And I did this before, and I thought I was going to get screwed this time. Because Richard had asked me for a copy of the questions, right? And ever since we had Leo Fong on the air, I have sort of not wanted to do that anymore. Because what Leo did was, I guess, look at the questions. And we asked him one question, the first one. And he yep. answered every th- every question we had in five minutes. That's right. <laughs> I think Bob. So and I- when Richard asked me to send that to him, I was like, "Oh crap!" 
yeah, yeah. When uh, <laughs> when when uh, Sifu Leo Fong answered all our questions in one, you know, diatribe. Yeah. Me and Bob panicked. I panicked. I think we texted each other, going, "Holy crap! What are we gonna do now?" But it ended up being a very uh, good, free flowing uh, discussion that night. So that's very cool. And uh, we have a comment that says it's better unscripted. I agree. I agree. Um, let me get back to the comment here. It says it's better unscripted. That's what keeps it real and not so sterile. Exactly. Thank you, Katie. And that's what Bob and I always want the show to be is not sterile, <laughs> not boring. We want it organic. We want we want it free flow. We want it to be that we're just like sitting around the table having coffee or having dinner and talking. And uh, that's kind of what we want our signature to be, for at least for this particular stuff. But anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, if you don't already like the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio page, please uh, go ahead and like it. Um, not the group. That's completely different. We don't hardly post on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show group. If you want to go to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio and like the page. And you'll be able to get uh, first-hand information about who our upcoming guests are going to be or what our discussion su- subjects are going to be. So, anyway, this is Rosita, and that's Bob. And this is Bob, yes. Way down there in SoCal, and I'm up here in the great Northwest. We are signing off, and we will see everyone next week. Everyone have a great day now. Bye. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.